Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You are not guilty of trans genocide. You're not killing anyone. You did not walk into a school and murder six, including three nine-year-olds. You are not guilty for saying it is wrong. Wrong! For any society to think it's okay to let children decide their own health future and mutilate themselves. You're not wrong. It, It is so important to hear that out loud because my gosh the response to this murderer in Nashville and she is a murderer she who claimed to be a he who murdered six and then was shot and killed by a police department that was trained and prepared to walk into the school and did go into the school this wasn't Uvalde this wasn't Parkland these were professionals who were committed to stopping the carnage a carnage that would have continued Because this woman not only had layouts of the school, she had plans to go other places, as we're hearing the reporting, and plans to kill family members. But what is the spin? She, the murderer, is the victim. And you, for not not only embracing, not only accepting, but cheering and celebrating her, you're guilty. None of that is true. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, good to be with you. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. That's the show. That's what we do. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. Oh, I have people squawking on Twitter. Children aren't having these surgeries. What are you talking about? I'm talking about Vanderbilt University that before it was shut down, they were actively and aggressively pursuing this and doing this, claiming that it made them a lot of money when they engaged what they called top surgery on young girls, which was, of course, removing their breasts, even though nothing was wrong with them. Schools in Boston. I mean, I should say hospital groups in Boston doing the same big money makers, Sweet, sweet cash, baby. The scratch. I believe is what the kids call it, according to Fingers Malloy. The scratch they were going to make. Of course this is happening. Kids taking puberty blockers, of course it's happening. And then you say to me, well, it's not in that big of a number. Whoa, whoa, whoa. First you said it wasn't happening. Now you're saying it's not that big of a number. I ask you, how many is too many? How many is too many? And we aren't even getting into the conversation that what we're seeing regarding gender dysphoria is social contagion, not science. It doesn't fit timing. It doesn't fit percentages of society. It is all out of whack. And that is because of culture. That is because of people who want to scream and yell that this is somehow the only thing that matters. This wasn't on the radar three years ago. And now this is all we've got. You lost the abortion battle, so now you're on to this? Dude, there's some weirdo stuff going on. But nothing is so strange as the people who want you to believe that you are responsible for this woman murdering six. The Daily Mail wrote the story that her parents didn't accept her. She was gay and she was trans. Remember, these are two very different things. 
and therefore she was and she wasn't accepted by her family and so therefore what did you expect what do you mean what did i expect if her family didn't accept her i think that's awful i would think rationally you would think that's awful too but nowhere would you think that's an excuse to go kill three nine-year-olds would you my family didn't accept me, so you, stranger, have to die. Uh, the police who have been coming out with statements do not believe at this moment that there was a knowledge of the people that she killed. But the Daily Mail wrote, Nashville mass school shooter was rejected by her Christian parents who couldn't accept she was gay and trans as cops reveal she also planned to shoot relatives. Oh, so not only are the parents not accepting their dirty Christians to boot. Say it. Say it. That's what you meant. That's what you meant to say. The issue here isn't this woman being trans. The issue here is these Christians. Oh, why didn't you say so? Maybe that's exactly why you have groups that don't want to share the manifesto. I'm sorry, what'd you say, Tony? I'll get to that in a minute. Let's stick with the people who think that this is all your fault for not accepting this woman. A woman whom, according to the reporting, was 28 and still lived at home with the family that didn't ostensibly accept her. They didn't accept you, but you still lived there. I find myself with a level of confusion. I find myself not being able to square that circle. There are other groups who will tell you that this is justified. Because this woman in Nashville, this murderer in Nashville, felt no other effective way to be seen. This is a group called the Trans Resistance Network. You know, I was part of a group back in the day called the Tea Party, and I got called a domestic terrorist. They're the Trans Resistance Network. Nobody has anything to say? Okay, fine. They write the, um, the second and more complex tragedy is that this woman who felt she had no other effective way to be seen than to lash out by taking the life of others and by consequence herself. Do not claim, they write, to know the individual or have access to their inner thoughts and feelings. But do know that life for transgender people is very difficult and made more difficult in the preceding months by a virtual avalanche of anti-trans legislation and public call-outs by right-wing personalities and political figures for nothing less than a genocidal eradication of trans people from society. They've been saying this everywhere. In my beloved Indiana, they've been saying this. If the governor, Eric Holcomb, signs Senate Bill 480, which in Indiana would prevent these transgender surgeries on minors, it's trans genocide. No, it's not. I'm responsible for killing people because I am bringing forth a cogent argument that you might disagree with? No, I'm not. And for anybody out there who wants to try uh, that game, I got to assume I win that defamation suit. Hold yourself accountable. Be rational.
I do not believe children can make their own medical decisions, and I believe it is abusive to do this to children. Notice no one's having a conversation about adults. I may disagree, I may not understand it, but what are the adults going to do? What are the adults going to do? We're talking about children here, and I'll get to, to more of that coming up. The eradication of trans people from society. I don't think I could eradicate before, and nobody was having a conversation before. But when you decided to shove it down everybody's throats, when you decided to make it part of our kids' lives, when you tried to cleave the kids from the parents, you better believe they said something, and that's when you got all, wait for it, uppity. Oh, I'm sorry. I told you I wasn't going to be quiet. I accept that you might disagree with me. Calling me a murderer, my God, you can go to hell. It's not hate for you living your life. There's a real fight against people who want children to go through this and force children into this. But it doesn't stop because now anytime you disagree with them and this and this murder here is bringing to the fore, you're nothing more than a transphobe. So you see, we have to fight against the transphobes. That brings us to the press secretary of the uh, me- the governor of Arizona. Her name is Katie Hobbs, terrible governor that she is. Her press secretary is Jocelyn Berry. And Jocelyn Berry tweets out a, a gif, right? A little, little move, moving image of a woman holding a gun in each hand. And what does she tweet? Us when we see transphobes. The press secretary for her governor. Us when we see transphobes, meaning we kill them. That's showing support for a murderer of six. No word yet on whether or not Jocelyn Berry has been fired. But of course Jocelyn Berry has to get fired. And anybody who defends Jocelyn Berry is out of their damn mind. But don't worry, they're out there. The other thing they're defending is not releasing the manifesto. Told you I'd get back to it. The manifesto. This woman wrote down everything she felt. I'm kind of grossed out by manifestos personally. I never thought in my life I would use the term so often. I thought we would stop at the Communist Manifesto, say, hey, manifestos suck, and be done, right? I thought we'd be finished and clear. I, I didn't think that it would become a regular thing. Well, this woman wrote in there. And there's group after group after group after group that's trying to keep this from going public. Newsweek has a story, many others. You've got these LGBTQ plus groups who caution against the publication. And then you have people out there who are now saying, oh, we, we, should, we shouldn't read this. Oh, we shouldn't publish this. Nobody should have access to this. You see, you see, if you want to read this, it's just because you want to do something uh, political. Do something. Anytime there is a horror and somebody leaves a note, it gets read, it gets discussed, it gets shared, and then we take it, we rip it apart. How many times they mention Trump? How many times they mention this? How many times they mention that? Oh, you see, here's who's guilty. And you've got people aggressively speaking past each other. 
And then you've got people like Ali Veshli or Velshi on uh, MSNBC. Trans people are already more likely to experience violence simply because they are trans people. So the right focusing on that is uniquely dangerous. And we have to respond to that. But it is also a distraction because there are plenty of trans people in plenty of countries all over the world. But once again, America is the only nation where shootings like this happen over and over again. So maybe it's not mental health or video games or hormones. His argument is maybe it's the gun and uh, I'm not there. I'm not there because we have millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of gun owners doing nothing wrong. And different societies don't have these issues, but they have other issues that I wouldn't trade for, thank you very much. The identity, focusing on transgender identity is uniquely dangerous. I reject the premise. Your problem is that it might be political. And you need the narrative, and you can't be out there saying, well, clearly this person had mental issues, clearly the gender dysphoria was part of it, and so therefore we can't talk about it. It's a fear of conversation. Now, I know what you're saying. Tony, you said you weren't going to make assumptions about the manifesto until you read it. Absolutely true. Well, what changed? What changed is groups out there saying that you can't release this. What changed is groups out there saying it should not be published. Should be The focus should be on how this was able to happen in the first place. There should not be such easy access to deadly weaponry. Um, this woman went through a background check and passed, by the way. She was uh, being treated for emotional disorders, as is described. Was that not known to people? There's a question and conversation there. But she passed. There's a feeling, oh, this would inspire other people to do the same act if we, if we release the manifesto. Oh, okay. Now we're worried about that. Thank goodness. Everybody knows you're not releasing it because you are fearful that it might hurt your narrative about the normalcy of what we're seeing in this level of society. You believe it's going to hurt the people you need to ally with and you don't want to be called a bigot. You don't want to even have to discuss it. My gosh, that's a media cowardice. Notice I don't use the name of the shooter. I, I, I don't do that. I don't give murderers their day. I'm not there for that. People want to know what happened. Maybe these parents, maybe these family members should have a right to know what happened. The level of hate in this woman that said, I'm going to kill the innocent because I feel other people haven't been good to me. Those are the updates on this situation. The ramifications, they go on and on because no one's thinking of these people. Rather, it's where does this play politically? I think we should honestly address what happened and honestly address what's happening in society. This is a societal issue. The people who claim it's about the gun are just wrong. And the people who want the society without guns want a society that I don't want because they want all the other things that come with it. And until they accept that and discuss that, the answer is no. And we'll get into more about all of this. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. Baby.
so here's a, an update. It uh, it seems that Governor Hobbs has accepted the resignation of the press secretary that showed the photo, the the, the video of the of the woman with two guns. You know, us us looking at the transphobes, right? You disagree with children determining their gender or having these radical surgeries, and so she posts this thing after after what happened in, in Nashville. She posts this thing of this woman pointing guns at people. Governor Hobbs' office, according to uh, some, um, has uh, confirmed that the press secretary, Jocelyn Berry, has resigned this morning. Jocelyn Berry also uh, locked her Twitter account. So she wouldn't have to deal with the fact that she did this. But she did. So interesting. Interesting that she has resigned and that the pressure was that great because the response, what she did was that that ignorant, that absolutely ignorant. Uh, more on that uh, in, in a bit. I have a lot. I have a lot to get to, including all the things that we're not talking about. Like, I, I, it's, like it's so many stories. The Dow is up 237. The NASDAQ is up 170. And there's this story that Credit Suisse whistleblowers, remember Credit Suisse was going to go under, and then it got a $54 billion bailout from the National Swiss Bank, and then it got purchased by UBS for like $3.2 billion or something like that. It was a song. What a sweetheart deal. Somebody made bank off of that deal. Well, there are whistleblowers now saying that Credit Suisse has been helping wealthy Americans dodge U.S. taxes for years. Now, back in 2014, they knowingly and willingly, quote, willfully, quote unquote, helped U.S. clients hide offshore assets from the IRS. A report from the Senate Finance Committee details ongoing and rampant abuse since then. I want to know what Democrats were involved. That's what I want to know. They're going to tell me what Republicans are involved, so I don't need to know that. That'll come to me. I'll know that before I go to sleep tonight. I want to know what Democrats are involved. I want to know how many times Paul Pelosi's name shows up. I want to know if Representative Ocasio-Cortez or Representative Ilhan Omar or Representative Rashida Tlaib or Representative Ayanna Presley or anybody else connected to the squad... I want to know if they've got a little bit of a safety net over here. Oh, can't wait. Can't wait to find out. And then maybe we'll get to the understanding of how did UBS, UBS Group, get this deal? And isn't that what we're seeing from the bailouts? I know some people don't like to call what happened to Silicon Valley Bank and others bailouts, but I don't think there's... I don't think there's any other question as to, as to what it is. Bailout. I, I don't know how else you would describe the thing. Personally. I think we should look into how they got this deal and whether or not laws were violated. And who, as a member of Congress, made some sweet, sweet bank because of it. Meanwhile, no one's talking about the border. But we need to. And not just the southern. This is Tony Katz today. 
I'm not saying there isn't plenty to talk about regarding Nashville, regarding this shooting, regarding this woman claimed to be a man, conversations about mental illness, and then, of course, that there are groups that don't want the manifesto shared. This woman wrote a manifesto, why she did what she did. It was a she, not a he. Originally, I thought it was a he, not a she. But we couldn't figure out gender. It took a day to figure. We're kidding ourselves on this one. But what we're not seeing as a joke is that we have six dead people. That's far different than how Joe Biden likes to react, but I don't want to share that right now. I want to share that there are more stories out there than this. Certainly when you see groups of people saying, we can't share this manifesto because it might portray transgender people in a bad light. I mean, that's what they're saying. If you share the manifesto, well, it could do real harm to people. You mean it could do real harm to narrative. People might see other people differently if they know more about them. Or not, because I don't know what's in this manifesto and neither do you. But when you see groups saying you can't share this because this could be dangerous, you're saying that you don't want people to know what happened and why it happened and whether or not indeed this woman who went to school there as a kid decided that these terrible Christian schools are teaching things that are hurting people like me and therefore it had to stop. Is that what it said? Tony, are you making an assumption? Yes. Didn't you say you wouldn't make an assumption? Yes, as I shared. But when they say you can't share the manifesto, now you get to ask the question, well, why can't we share the manifesto? I'm asking, is that it? Is it something else? I could be totally wrong. You think that's going to cause more people to do what? Attack the transgender community? Well, what attacks are you talking about? Well, look at all the legislation. Whoa, 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 whoa legislation, people engaged with their representatives. It's a completely different concept. And the legislation that we're seeing is about children and protecting children. Certainly is in Indiana, is in many other places. That's a very far cry from going after you for living your life the way you see fit. I'm not telling you how to live your life. I am having a conversation about how we protect children and I'm never gonna shy away from that. But I don't want to repeat myself too much. What I wanted to get into was the fact that while this is a massive conversation, this isn't the only conversation that's out there. I forget if I said hello. Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today, the border is in crisis. The border is in crisis and every single day, that we aren't addressing the problem at the border, we are losing. We are getting destroyed. Alejandro Mayorkas, who is the Homeland Security Secretary, in front of the Senate panel the other day, getting an earful from Ted Cruz. Actually, quite misleading. How many migrants died in 2022? Um, uh, at our uh, approaching our southern border. Yes, precisely why we are seeking to exclude so you're, this. Can, do you know the answer? Do you know how many died? I do not. You do not. Of course you don't. I know how many died. Eight hundred and fifty-three. That is eight hundred and fifty-three. And by the way, 
Here are the numbers that have died every year. You go back to 1998, you see it's consistently between 300 and 400, 300 and 400, 300 and 400. Suddenly, 2021, what happens? You get in office, and that red line are dead bodies. I've been on the Rio Grande, and I've seen dead bodies floating there who've drowned because of your refusal to do your job. You don't even know how many have died. What do you say to the Texas farmers and ranchers who find pregnant ladies dead on their property, who find toddlers dead on their property? What do you say to them? I say that is why precisely we are taking it to the smuggling organizations. But you are not. Number, that is simply not true. Number two, it is but, why let, we let, are let, dead let, let me read from the Wall Street Journal. The Wall Street Journal two weeks ago ran an article entitled, It's Like Gra a Graveyard. Record numbers of migrants are dying at the border. The story begins with this chilling line, quote, Eagle Pass, Texas. Local officials keep a refrigerated truck to hold the bodies of migrants who drown in the currents of the Rio Grande while trying to cross the border into the U.S. Mr. Chairman, I ask unanimous consent that this article be entered into the record. And into the record it went. And man, I mean, it, it, this was not the only contentious moment that Cruz had with Mayorkas. Of course, there's an issue at the border. It's just a question of why people like Alejandro Mayorkas refuse to say so. Is there a crisis at our southern border? Senator, uh, there is a very significant... That, that's a yes or no question. There's a very significant... It, is there a crisis? Senator, there's a very significant challenge... I think your microphone is not on. There is a very significant challenge that we are facing. Yes or no, the is there border. a crisis? I believe I've addressed that question. So Senator. you're refusing to answer? Senator, uh, there is a very significant challenge. and Will we you are answer therefore, if there's a crisis? Therefore, we are dedicating the resources. Okay, so you're refusing to answer. Well, Secretary Mayorkas, I'll tell you someone who is willing to answer, which is your and President Biden's chief of the Border Patrol, in a sworn deposition in July of 2022, when asked, would you agree, Chief Ortiz, that the southern border is currently in crisis? Answer, yes. Notice none of those wiggle words, none of that equivocation. One word, one syllable, yes. Are you willing to speak with the same clarity as Chief Ortiz? Is there a crisis at our southern border, yes or no? Senator, I'm very proud to work alongside. But you refuse to answer. Yeah. There's a crisis at our border, and everything else isn't an acceptable answer. If you want to argue there's a very big challenge at the border, you're more than welcome to do that, but it's about avoiding the conversation completely. There is a crisis at the border. Anybody who says otherwise is lying. Now, there was a conversation that took place with Elise Stefanik. Elise Stefanik is the congresswoman from New York. And she was speaking regarding the northern border. And rarely do we talk about the northern border. Representative Stefanik was noting that there are issues in what's known as the Swanton sector. The Swanton sector, Swanton, Vermont, bordering Canada is seeing massive increases in people coming over the border. 
367 apprehensions and encounters during January 2023. To put that in perspective, if you were to take all of the border apprehensions and encounters in the month of January, it's cold, by the way, in the month of January for the past 12 years, from 2011 to 2022, 2010 to 2022, 12 years, all of them combined don't equal the number we saw in 2023. That's how large the number is. The 367 is more than the prior 12 years combined. That's stunning because you don't think about people coming through Canada. Congresswoman Stefanik is asking these questions in her uh, panel hearings. Dr. Dawson, have you been to the Swanton sector of the northern border? Yes, quite often. Have you t- where have you been? Um, I was a resident of, of Ottawa, so Ontario. So I was up and down the upstate New York and New England area very frequently, especially along the lakes. Have you spoken with Border Patrol officers in upstate New York or the North Country? I have not spoken to Border Patrol officers recently from that area, no. Well, I will tell you, I speak to Border Patrol officers all the time in my district. I represent 700,000 hardworking Americans that live in my district, and it is an abject disaster what is happening at our southern border and the impact it's having on our northern border. Dr. Dawson, are you aware that encounters at the northern border have surged up to 846% in the Swanton sector that you are so familiar with? I think during my testimony earlier, I uh, indicated that... Are you aware of 846%? That is not a number that uh, I'm... So you disagree with that number put out by the U.S. government? I don't have the information to agree or disagree. Now, the Swanton sector, as I discussed, is in Vermont. Elise Stefanik uh, represents uh, parts of New York State, and, of course, Vermont borders up to New York State at that level. We forget exactly how much border we have to protect... And certainly with this witness that Elise Stefanik had, she's playing a little bit of cat with a mouse and setting her up for the beating that she took. Stefanik then changes gears and speaks to somebody about whether or not we have operational control at the northern or southern border. Okay, well, that is the number. Mr. Judd, because you are familiar with, North, with Northern Border Patrol officers, because I know you speak to them regularly, as I do in my district, I want to get your input. Do we have operational control over the northern border? No, we don't. In fact, what, what happens is we conflate the issue. We conflate but, uh, the ports of entry, and between the ports of entry, we have to subtract out the two. In fact, that's the reason why we have two different agencies that work. You have the, the port of entry, which is the, the Office of Field Operations, and then you have between the ports of entry, which is the Border Patrol. We have to take those two issues apart from each other and look at them individually. And Mr. Judd, walk me through. I'm very familiar hearing from my constituents about the crisis on the southern border, how that has impacted the morale of Border Patrol officers up north who have been transferred over and over again to the southern border with no notice deployments. Number one, the morale impact. And number two, the fact that we do not have the personnel we need operationally along the northern border, specifically the Swanton sector. 
a little over 25 years, I've never seen the morale lower in the Border Patrol than what it is today. Um, make no mistake, we will continue to put on the uniform. We will continue to go out and do the job that we're, we're supposed to do. We just won't be happy about the job that we're, that, that we're doing because we know that we do not have the support of this administration to actually protect the American people. I believe that true, that the administration is not in any way backing up Border Patrol. By the way, Mr. Judd is Brandon Judd, president of the National Border Patrol Council. I believe that to be true. But it's this part of the conversation that I think for a lot of people, they're like, well, I never really thought about it like that. And then when you look at how we have taken away from the northern border to support the southwest border, it always it all starts on the south southwest border. If we can control the southwest border, then we won't have to touch the northern border agents. But because we don't have the policy that's necessary to secure the southwest border, then the northern border gets gets robbed, and then it opens up the gaps that we're currently seeing. That is a perspective that requires our conversation. While everyone is going to talk about Nashville and this shooting, and I'm not saying that they shouldn't, although kids get killed in Chicago all the time, no one says a word. That is not me being dismissive of three children being murdered in Nashville by a murderer who was being treated for emotional disorders and nobody knew it. Nobody knew there were seven guns in the house. The more about you hear about the story, the more you scream. And then, as I said, this manifesto that nobody wants to share. Because they're afraid of what it'll do to narrative. The more you don't take care of the southwest border, the more issues you have on the northern border, the more issues we have for all Americans, the more kids who might get killed. Whether that be by gang activity, whether that be by fentanyl, whether that be by the coyotes bringing kids and adults through through South America, I, I should say through Central America, through Mexico, raping, pillaging, you're not going to see people coming to the northern border in the same way? Well, Tony, they're Canadians and they're super polite. We're seeing Chinese nationals come through the southern border. You don't think we'll see the same? You don't think we'll see the same? You don't think there are people who fly into Canada and then make their way to the northern border of the United States and bloop? Cross right over. Are we kidding ourselves? Do we, how many people actually live in this level of fantasy land? This is a massive problem. A massive problem that we refuse to fix. This should be anger on a bipartisan level at the bipartisan Congress. No Republican, no Democrat should be able to escape any day of the week without hearing from their constituents about what they're doing about the border because we're all border states. That's what we are. We all deal with this problem. That's what we do. And if you're somebody who believes in open borders, you're the enemy. Now that's a very rough thing to say. So let me make sure I say it slowly. If you believe in open borders, you are the enemy. Well, the enemy of what, Tony? The enemy of the United States of America? Well, I guess you could throw that in there. But I would argue you're the enemy of free and thinking people. You're the enemy of decency. You're the enemy of humanity. You're certainly okay with kids being killed, never mind raped. I said it and I meant it because open borders lead to these things. Or maybe, maybe said even better, 
a border like we have it, it's not really open, but it sure as hell ain't closed, makes all the money in the world for the smugglers. And if you're going to be in the business of making the business possible for the smugglers, well, dear Lord, you're the enemy. You're the problem. I say you. I mean they. I think you know that, though. Yeah, I'm not going to take my eye off the border. I'm not going to stop talking about it. And while everybody goes about chasing the latest story, and I'm not arguing that it isn't horrible, I'm not arguing that it isn't worth our time, we got to it today. I'm not going to avoid these things that are killing us. Just that when they kill us slowly, they get less news coverage. To hell with that. I'm Tony Katz. Obama goes to Australia. He's doing a speaking tour where he's going to make like a million bucks. Yeah, that's happening. Barack Obama is making a million bucks. No word yet on whether or not he's going to pay his fair share. But while he's there, he's talking about China. And he's like, you know, uh, China really didn't start, you know, a rise this way until Trump took office. Because Trump destabilized international norms because he didn't believe in them. Do you know the level of just hysteria you have to be at? to hate so much to push that line. China has been working on domination for decades. It's not just when Trump came into office. What a foolhardy thing to say. China made the decision way back when, when they watched Russia fall and other nations fall, the answer is more and more power. They decided communism was their future and they were gonna do anything to stay in power. Barack Obama pushing the ugly there. Narrative before reason. I guess that's what he's talking about in Australia. Keep it here. This is Tony Katz today.